Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And once again, welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 173. It's been a while. I'm sorry, but I'm back bringing you another episode here that I know you will enjoy. As always, thanks so much for your support of the back of the range and everything that I do to promote the amateur game. Lots of updates to share with you, so let's get right into it. I didn't think it was possible for my experience at the East-West matches to be topped anytime soon, and I'm not saying that it was, but the Merido Amateur is definitely right up there. It's always hard to compare them both, subtle differences for sure, um, especially the bar. So this field at the Merido Amateur did not knock down the beers like the Mid-Ams and the seniors of the East-West matches, but the one constant is Merido. For those of you that listened to the Patrick Kristovich episode where we recapped the matches, I gushed all over Merido. I could do it again, and I most likely will in the future. But, um, you know, incredible hospitality. If you want to run an elite tournament, you have to have an elite staff. And they do. From the top to the bottom, everyone is absolutely the best in the business. Little more housekeeping, and then we're going to get into this week's episode with William Holcomb. He was the medalist at the Merido Amateur. We spoke about many interesting topics. Great guy to get to know. So I know you're going to enjoy this one. So when there's a gap in the episodes, which seems to be happening a little bit more often lately, it's most likely due to the fact that I am actually at a tournament like the Merido Amateur with a camera in my hand. I've really started taking a liking to photo and video work. I'm still learning the ins and outs, but I realized that while I can bring you all the great stories from people in the game of golf, the podcast is always going to be an audio medium of communication. I don't see myself building a podcast studio with lighting and camera operators anytime soon, so the photography and the video work hopefully is bringing you a little bit closer to the game when I'm out on the road. You're going to see that happen a lot more in 2021 and perhaps in the last couple weeks of 2020. That being said, it's really important that you are following on Instagram. The Instagram handle is the Back of the Range Podcast. Not because I necessarily want to boost my followers. I mean, that's great. But the, the real reason is I want you to know where I am and what I'm doing. If you see a bunch of pictures and videos being posted, you should know that I'm actually at that tournament. And you should definitely reach out to me and let me know if there is someone I should contact and bring on as a guest at the back of the range. I like to think that I know all the top names in the amateur world, but, you know, I don't. I spent some time with guys like Chris Goderup from Rutgers, Ryan Greider from Baylor, Parker Gillum from Wake Forest. These guys have big games, big personalities. You're going to see them at the back of the range. So stay engaged on Instagram. And you can always reach me there via DM or text or email. You know how to get a hold of me. Finally, make sure that you're subscribed in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The merch store still has a lot of great items. If you like this podcast, if you just learned about this podcast at the Merido Amateur, whether you're a player or a parent or someone else that's following online, go check out the website, thebackoftherange.com. Go support this podcast so I can keep the lights on. My guest on this episode is William Holcomb from Sam Houston State University. 
as I said earlier, medalist at the 2020 Merido Amateur. But before that, think back to the 2019 U.S. Amateur at Pinehurst. Yes, Ogletree beat Augustine in the final, but you remember that kid that ran through all the opponents while talking his whole way around Pinehurst? That's William. He talks different. He plays different. He is different. And truthfully, in a game where things tend to look the same, it's fun to see a guy like William climbing the ranks. You're going to learn a lot about him in this episode. You'll learn about his game. you also learn about what drives him, and it's not just birdies and trophies. William is deeply committed to his faith and his family, and I can't believe I'm putting this in the same sentence, but yes, he is deeply committed to bird hunting. In fact, as you're listening to this, he's probably in a duck blind somewhere. Let's get started. So thankful to have this guy on the podcast. William, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. And uh, I'm the fifth, by the way. I don't, I don't say that mostly, but, you know, I just like that getting thrown in there. Okay, so let's talk about w- William Holcomb the fifth, and let's talk a little bit about where you're from. There's a lot of golf we have to talk about, but let's kind of get things right out of the way first. You are William Holcomb the fifth out of Crockett, Texas. How many people live in Crockett right now? Um. 6,950 people. Okay. Actually, I think somebody had twins, so maybe 52 this week. <laughs> okay. All right. So you mentioned you're the fifth. So walk me yeah. through a little bit of family history here. Talk to me about the um, family. You know, we've kind of been in the, the Crockett area forever. My dad grew up there, and my grandma, uh, she lived in a small town called Canard. It's literally in the middle of nowhere. And she was a valedictorian at 16. She'd be happy for everybody to know that. Oh yeah, we'll leave that uh, in. But she she said that she only she's only smarter than fifteen other people. So, you know, <laughs> it wasn't a wasn't a very high standard. But um, no, I think my family. I don't know how they ended up in Crockett. I probably do, but y'all don't want to listen to that. And then uh, she, uh, her and my grandpa met, and they they each had kids from previous marriages, and then they had my dad and. Uh, my dad actually isn't named William Holcomb, which I might catch some heat for this, but my uncle is. And so um, my uncle and me share a name. And and so, yeah, my, but my dad, my uncle didn't use the name on his first son. So my dad said, all right, well, it's still available. It's fine. So, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a technicality. We're not going to. Yeah. Hold, I mean, I mean they, they yeah. do that over in, you know, in England and stuff. So we, we can do it over here. Exactly. We'll, we'll, it's fine. Yeah. We're, we're not going to call you out on. That's just a technicality. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. And so, um, you know, my my parents, my dad, he played golf a little bit in high school. And I don't think my grandpa, they say he would just go out to the country club on Sundays and he'd cook ribs. He had a house out there and he would never play golf. He'd just cook ribs and watch the Astros. So <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's, that's kind of, kind of how we ended up out there, I guess. There you go. Well, well, Crockett, Texas at a, you know, in East Texas, I guess it's about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, uh, North of Houston. So to give listeners kind of an idea geographically where it is and, you know, we're scheduling this today. We just spent basically a week together at the Merido um, at the Merido Amateur. Uh, I have to, boy, are we going to do a data dump and talk about that place for for many weeks to come here on the back of the range. But you know, most of the time when I schedule uh, episodes to talk to people, you know, we got to kind of 
you know, move and schedule things around, uh, you know, whether it's a tournament or maybe some classes or family obligations or, you know, maybe you got to go see a swing instructor. But we had to get this in because you are you have a very important uh, uh, trip headed in the next yes, uh, next hour. So, I mean, literally, I'm catching you right out the door. We're going to talk about golf in a little bit, but what are you doing in an hour? This is really your passion. I don't even know why we're talking golf right now because your true passion is, go ahead, what's your true passion? Um, duck hunting. I mean, I absolutely live for it. I eat, breathe, and sleep it. Um, yeah, I'm headed to Arkansas. It's crazy. Um, this guy, he's like a friend of a friend, and they watched us. They watched me at the USAM in 2019, and <laughs> So they invited us last year, and so we went hunting. And then I didn't think we were going to get another invite because I was like, you know, I haven't done anything, or you know what I mean? And he, like, calls me up, like, a month ago. He's like, hey, uh, have you looked at some dates for you to come up here? And I was like, no, I didn't know we were coming. And he's like, yeah, come on. So, um, yeah, we're headed out tomorrow afternoon. And so I'm just kind of trying to finish up my – I got a paper due this evening. and. Uh, and I'm going to see my therapist person because my body's real worn out after playing Merido. Yeah. So like I got in a fight with Mike Tyson. Um, and so, yeah, but that's where we're going. I, I, I don't going think to... I, I don't think I've ever heard of a collegiate golfer uh, that gets, or anyone that's gotten into the USAM and the exemptions they're really hoping to receive is a hunting trip. To, to that's right. I'm I trying to get it. I'm yeah. trying to get hunt invite. So anybody listen to this, Y'all like duck hunting? Give okay. me a call. So no, don't don't want to <laughs> get. Touch ben. Yeah, you don't want to get into any invitationals at any at Pine Valley or anything like that. No, no forget about that. I want to be in a duck blind somewhere. That's right. Okay. That's right. All right, we're finally uncovering the truth here. So you mentioned you got a paper. Let's talk a little bit about Sam Houston State. And for people that right now are like, who is this guy? Think back to last year's USAM at Pinehurst. Obviously, Ogletree defeats Augustine in the final. They both go on to Walker Cup. Obviously, they're both going on to uh, to start their professional careers, but but think back to the semis. This is the you know quote unquote the the, the media story, the darling of the USAM um, that that fell to Augustine in the semis. So that kind of will refresh people's mind. But you're coming out of Sam Houston State again. It's basically an hour away from home. Um, you know, now at the time, I think you were going into the U.S. Amateur, you're right around, you know, 300 in the World Amateur Golf Rankings. I think it was 328 kind of coming out of nowhere. Talk to me about golf at Sam Houston State, how you kind of built up your collegiate career to compete at that level. I mean, to be honest, you know, I wasn't very highly recruited. I think that's because of we're going to get into this. Yeah. Who yeah. I am as a person, you know, Um like just my attitude about golf and um, just doing things a little bit differently. But I wanted to go to a program that won and Sam Houston had one conference like four years. They were winning more than they were losing. And so I knew I liked that. I never heard one bad thing about the coach, which I still couldn't probably say one bad thing about the coach, even if I, I mean, I don't, I don't know one bad thing about our coach. Sure. Um, I wanted somewhere where I could play right out of the gate. And so I came to Sam Houston. And so, you know, I learned a lot my freshman year. It was a lot of growing pains. And, I mean, we all have growing pains in golf. That's sure. just part of it. That's why you never need to be a jerk because you're going to be humbled as it's golf. Oh, yeah. And, and so, um, 
yeah, I, I learned learned a lot my freshman year. Kind of started getting it towards the end. I I played a really good conference tournament, got third in conference, and kind of just figured things out, like how you know a routine matters and how much these little things matter. Aiming away from pins, understanding my swing, you know, understanding like where to aim, you know, hitting shots and just like commitment stuff. And so I really kind of got better at that. And then I got married and I, I broke my foot at the wedding. You bro- Okay. No, no. Okay. So let's, let's pause. Let's not talk about golf for a minute. No, let's hear about, first of okay. all, you know, you know, young guy married, I think next August is what, about four years, uh, four year anniversary. Yes, with, yes, and, and your wife's name is Gracie. Yes, sir. Okay. So, Four years married, married, and you break your foot at your wedding. I, I, yes, I mean, I'm. We don't get into wedding stories here too much here at the back of the range, but, but, damn it, this one sounds good. So, how'd you break your foot at your wedding? Um, I was just so the doctor said I was probably already broke it okay. like a couple weeks before, and then like when I, I was like, we're, I remember I was like literally dancing, like, you know wedding everybody's having a good time sure. we're dancing. and i just took a step with my right foot and i just remember like oh that's it. that ain't right <laughs> nothing that's not supposed to feel like that and so you know obviously go to the er or anything i just go to bed and sure um i wake up the next morning and i'm like hopping around I'm like oh my gosh like this isn't good and i thought it's one of those pains that like it hurts but like you're going to wake up in a couple of days. It's going to be gone. Sure. Well, a couple of days go by, nothing changed. <laughs> so, um, I go get an x-ray broken fourth metatarsal. I'm like freaking out. They're like, you have to wear a boot for six weeks. We've got qualifying like a week after this. Then you like school starts tomorrow, you know? And so I, I go get a boot. We go on our honeymoon. We, I tried to boogie board and uh, <laughs> on the South Texas coast with uh, with a broken foot. Probably hurt it more. Then um, I get the boot. I remember going and and trying to play. And I remember I played my home course and I shot forty one, which like I mean you can't shoot. You got to really try hard to shoot forty one. Got to try hard to shoot forty one at my home course, and I couldn't get through the ball. It's like my feet were just standing still. Sure. And so I don't know. It was like, I don't know if it was me or my coach, but one of us had this. I might have been, I think it might have been both of us. Like, we both had this just thing. Like, if we could, if I could just get through it, I'd be fine. I could hit it good if I can get through it. So I go and start getting through it. And I'm like, pure in the ball. Like, I'm like, this is amazing. Like I'm hitting it good enough to play. Like, you know, I was just beside myself. So I go, I literally went home that afternoon and I played with my friends and stuff, uh, at, at my home course. And they all thought, you know, I told them, I said, I shot 41 last time on nine holes and I shoot like 62 and just destroy them all. I mean, and you're, and you're still wearing the boot doing this. Yeah. And I'm wearing the boot while I'm doing it. So I shoot like, eight under which isn't i mean it's not that impressive out there i'm not gonna sit here and act like that's like the greatest score ever but in a boot at 19 years old like i was like man that is crazy like i got it and so then we go on to qualify and 
first couple rounds, I think I'm like in sixth. And just start, just keep, I was playing solid. We were just playing easy courses. Then I jump up and end up finishing second. And we go to the first tournament. I get fourth. And it's just like, man. Still still wearing the boot? I mean, Still wearing the boot. Oh, my gosh. So I play the whole fall in the boot. Um, I think my work, I I think I finished every tournament inside the top 20. Oh, gosh. And so, Uh, like, man, that was kind of like, I think, I don't know how much of it was the boot. And I don't know how much of it was. Just I had matured and learned kind of the right way to play the game of golf. Um, maybe a little bit of both, you know. Yeah, well. when you're one-dimensional, you don't have to trot it, you know. I hit a lot of cuts back whenever I had the boot on. So it's like I, I never would try to hit a draw. So I would never hit a bad draw. Right. <laughs> you well, know? well, the other thing, too, is that it's it's all almost like a reminder of, like, I, I have some physical limitations right now. This is all I can do. And like you said, you're not trying to do anything outside of your, uh, your, your scope and what you can do. Um, I want to, so I want to talk a little about your, your mental approach. So you mentioned that you're working with someone. I think we talked about this a little bit at Merido. and for, for people that have never seen you hit a golf shot, you know, I've watched a lot of it at Merido, and it looks like there's a lot going on. It's a little bit of, you know, like the immediate comparison, just, you know, it's not as, complex but it, it does have a little bit of keegan bradley in it it you're it looks you're very intense it looks like you are just completely wa- eyes wide open focused on the target and there's a lot going on there can you talk to me a little bit about your pre-shot routine as if i'm inside your head as if the listeners are inside your head it may be interesting for them to understand what all is factored in before you hit a golf shot um, yeah, sure. I mean, so I, I started working with Dr. Lindsay Mitchell. Uh, she's out of the woodlands, um, earlier this, something like at this summer, like a, a friend of, of mine introduced me to her. And so she, she and me, we started working together and it wasn't really that I needed help on the mental, like routine side or right. the focus side. That's what I thought. I was like, I could just focus. I'd be better. It's really like we've just kind of cleaned out the junk out of my head. Like the, the doubt the like I need to improve on this area, like just a bunch of the, just the garbage that almost gets in the way. Sure. And, and then I just have my normal routine, but my routine is, so I'm going to, you know, shoot the yardage, figure out the club, see the lie you know figure out what shot shape i'm seeing in my head um i'm a lot of people hit it one way i hit it i try to hit it both ways but whatever i'm seeing is what i'm hitting you know what i mean like right. doesn't matter if there's water left or water right you know if i see a cut i'm gonna hit a cut if i see a draw i'm gonna hit a draw um and and, and club getting the right yardage that helps with that too and so um i'll, I'll pick a shot Go back behind the ball. I take three, uh, three practice swings. I don't know why I like doing things in threes, but that's me. And in my practice swings, usually I'll really try to like set the club because I'm I'm a quick guy. I like talk fast, walk fast, and sure. think fast. So um, if I can set the club, I'm I'm usually going to hit the ball pretty solid. So I'm really worried about you know I'm working on that. Um, and then I like get behind the ball and I kind of just like stay moving get a good target, small target. And then I just like that first step, 
um, it's almost like kind of like a little stomp, just kind of, this is, you know, we're crossing over into commitment land and, sure. um, and then I, I step into the ball. I kind of give it this little chicken wing where I work my right arm into my side a couple of times. I don't know why I do that. Just do it. Like it feels good. Um, do that like three times and then set the club behind it, get, you know, three looks. And then once I take my stance on the third look, as soon as my eyes get back to the ball, after they leave the target, I just, I'm going to commit and hit the shot sometimes. And sometimes I don't, and I don't hit a good shot. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's what you're looking for inside that's my a, head. No, that's exactly what, no, that's exactly what I want because as a, as someone on the outside looking in, I just see a lot of movement. I see a, a lot of, I don't want to say fidgeting, but there's just, there's movement, there's eyes, there's, there's the step, there's the back, there's forward, there's a lot of movement and it's a lot cleaner now that I understand what's going through your head and listeners yeah. understand that makes a lot of sense. It's actually very regimented. You're doing things in threes. You're, I love the line of saying you're stepping into commitment land because that's, you have all your work done and then you do that stomp and that's almost like your trigger. So, yes, sir. Yes, so, sir. So and that, that, yeah, that's part of, that's for sure. I mean, that's for sure. Part of my trigger. Um, the other thing that I noticed this week is like, whenever I try to, like shape a ball like i hit it really straight like i say i i try to draw it and cut it but like most of the time i'm actually hitting it straight sure i'm just like okay with missing it a little right or you know what i mean or yeah, yeah, a little yeah. left if i'm hitting a cut it's just it's a straight shot but i'm trying to hit a cut or i'm trying to hit a draw and so actually this week like one of the days i was playing i, don't, I think it might have even been in the match um i just was kind of hitting these weak shots and i was like just focus on like just try to hit it straight don't try to hit like a cut to this point just like look at that point maybe try to hit a cut but just try to hit at that point and kind of everything started clicking i was actually hitting it a little better when i quit trying to do so much i guess yeah yeah sometimes you gotta uh, make it simple um well you're you're talking about this week you're talking about the merido amateur and uh, you know, I've I've been speaking a lot about Merido. Uh, just was at the East West matches several weeks ago, and just got back obviously from the Merido Amateur, and really, I mean, just a grueling event. Fifty four holes of stroke play, which you were the medalist. You were the low, uh, you know, the low man uh, out of the entire field before heading into match play. Um, I know you fell to Summer Hayes in the quarterfinals, but just so people kind of understand what a grind uh, that tournament was, you know, you've had a lot of incredible achievements in your career, you know, college wins and, and you're just coming off of, you know, a win at, at the Trinity forest amateur. How do you stack it up to know that of that field in the inaugural Merido amateur, you win the stroke play portion, man, honestly, like I never, so I thought it was 36 holes. All right. I didn't think I thought it was 36 holes match play. I wasn't even going to go to the tournament if it wasn't match play because I didn't like Merido and it just didn't really fit my eye. And my coach was like, you know, don't go if 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 it doesn't fit your eye. Like Pinehurst is a hard golf course that fits my eye. Okay, obviously. So I'm going to go to Pinehurst like every chance I get, you know, because I know I can win there and I know I'm going to take people out of the field just because of the difficulty of the course. And so. You know, going to Merido, it was kind of like I was the guy that they would take out just based on the difficulty in a stroke play 
tournament. So um, I wasn't even going to go. But then uh, I decided, you know, it's match play, so I'm going to go. So I thought it was going to be 36 holes. Uh, I mean, yeah, I thought the first two rounds were 36 holes, then there's a cut to 64, and then we go into match play. And I love match play. Um, so that's what I was thinking. Then I found out it's 54, and I thought that you got points on Wagger or whatever for winning. So I was like, I better play good. I mean, you can't just limp it into match play. You know, sure. there's only 100 guys in the field, 64. So, I mean, I, I was honestly like, you know, I mean, you got to play good because the field's great. But I was just like, just get to max play. That's all you got to do. Like, you know, especially on a course like Merido. Um, oh, yeah. Like, people that are shooting way over par have an eight, you know. That's the only difference between them and the guy that's, you know, in second or third, you know, at five over. They just didn't have the eight. They just had – they had the same amount of bogeys, but one guy has an eight and another guy has a par. Yeah, and one so – one, Over, one, over one, three yeah. days, it multiplies. Yeah, a 20 seed and a 40 seed is could be separated by, you know, like like one triple and one bogey over 54 holes. Exactly. And yeah. so, in match play, that's not going to hurt you at all. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, really, that, that was a, a, a thing – a key thing for me was just get to the match play. Um, then I found out I need to play well in the stroke play because, uh, I was under the impression that Wagger was going to give more points. So I just went out there and played. I mean, the first round was 20 degrees. It felt like, yeah, it and was brutal. The, it had rained the night before or the night, the night, night before. I don't know. So you got, you got mud balls, you got cold weather, like, I'm just trying to hit it solid sometimes. Like, I just don't want to fold the sod over it because, like, these lies are so tight out there. Yeah, yes, and, they are. You're hitting these wedges that you have to hit uphill. You have to control the spin. And you can't hit up on it because the ground is so tight. Like, I mean, it's just like every part of the course is just brutal the first day. And, like, I shot five over on the front nine. I started on ten, which the back nine I think is a little harder. I agree. Um, and I honestly felt like I played, I made like three mistakes, two mistakes, maybe. I mean, I, I played really clean and I shoot like five over and I'm like, okay, well, like that's not good. And, <laughs> and then I bogey another hole in there. And then I'm like, like literally there was a point where like my uh, buddy, he, he's the uh, FCA leader here at Sam Houston. Um, he was talking to the baseball team. And he's like, there's this thing. It's like the point of decision. Like, you're going to decide, like, am I going to, you know, keep working hard so that we can make it to Omaha? Or am I going to take this rep off? Like, there's just kind of this point of decision. And then he tied it back into faith. He's like, you know, guys, like, you want to be a Christian, but are you going to really, like, do what Christians do? Or are you just going to, like, submit to, like, sin and what the world wants you to do? And so – I just like thought about that and I was like in the round, I was like, Will, you gotta get gritty, man. Like you just need to grow up. Like it's time to play some golf. Like and so I I hung in there and birdie six and seven, shot like four over the first round and then um just kinda I had at the I guess I was at the point of decision where I was like, you know, you can just kinda feel sorry for yourself and let this place beat you up or you can, you know, bring it to it. So um I made the right decision. <laughs> yeah, clearly you did. I mean, medalist and then, you know, great run in match play. You, you yes, sir. You mentioned your love of match play. And I, I want to ask you, 
I want to ask you this question. I might trip over my words a little bit, but but it's it's coming from a good spot. So let me see okay. if I can get this out. You know that you have a bit of a different look, different appearance, different mannerisms than the typical collegiate or amateur golfer. Um, obviously, you have an accent that that pretty closely uh, ties you to to Texas or or southern states, and. Like I said, you have a different look and and way of approaching the game. Have you kind of felt that that is an advantage for you in match play where you're talking and you're chatting and you realize that, okay, this guy I'm playing against, he probably doesn't want to hear all this stuff, but he's going to hear it anyway because I'm just going to be me. Have you kind of realized that it's an advantage for you? Just by, oh yeah okay oh yeah all right so walk Man, me, so, the- yeah so walk me through a story where like it's basically me saying like hey you know you're a guy out of, out of east texas and they look at you they're thinking oh this guy is you know he, he you know i mean let's just say it, this guy's a country bumpkin that probably can't figure out which end of the golf club to hold and then before they yeah. realize it they're four down through five and they're like wait a minute yeah um yeah, man. Did, did, I mean, did I did I ask that question okay? <laughs> yeah, that's good. No, you're. I'm not offended at all. I don't okay. Get offended. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely realize there's something different about me. Um, in that, like, like when I'm playing match play, I don't really. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. I mean, obviously, I want to win, but I'm not. I'm not out here like I'm just out here being myself and I, I think that does make people uncomfortable sure because uh, to be honest like I don't care whether I win or lose golf tournaments like I do but like like everything I do like I want God to be glorified like I, I was I wasn't a Christian and and I I became one and and so um like my value and my faith is with Jesus Christ like whatever he calls me to do like I want to do, whether that's to play golf, whether that's to tell people about him, whether that's to, you know, if, if that even means being like a financial consultant in a big building in New York city, like if he calls me to do it, I'm going to go do it. And okay. so, um, so I mean, just having a heavenly view on earth, like there's so much freedom in that. And so I think that that probably bothers people when I'm playing golf with them because they're like, why doesn't he care? Like, well, I mean, I do care, but like to an extent, like it doesn't really matter when I look at everything, you know what I mean? Like freeze you up, you know, I care more about, I care more about the guy I'm playing with soul than I do about whether I beat him or not. And, wow. and so, I mean, honestly, I mean, I know, I don't know if, what your podcast demographic looks like. Some people might be mad at me saying that, but no, I'm, I, I, uh, I, I mean, if, if I die for the sake of the gospel, like that's an honor, like, I mean, whatever, whatever Christ has called me to do, I'm, I'm ready to do. So, you know, you're, you're being yourself and this is my damn podcast and you can say whatever you want to. So that's how yeah, I feel about that it. That sounds good. That sounds good. I like it. Um, so, uh, you get through this great run at Merida. You've actually had a really great run, uh, in the last uh, few weeks. I mean, like I said, top 10 at Azalea, you win the Trinity Forest Amateur and, and just a, a magnificent performance at Merida with stroke play and running through. I mean, we're not going to get into all the details, but man, you had some tough matches in the round of 64 and 36. So, yes, and, you, and you were even joking around. You're like the number one seed never wins. And I was like, this is the inaugural. We don't have a history here yet, but you really got through those two and, and made it to the quarters. Let's talk about something on the horizon, which is Walker Cup. Uh, I know you're yes, very, very well aware of that. And and when I think of you on a Walker Cup team, um, 
man, would that be a just an incredible? I mean, <laughs> I just think it'd be incredible. And and you, we said we spoke about this previously. It doesn't sound like you're going in because you you know you want to wear the stars and stripes, but you just want to go beat some people, don't you? The reason I played golf and the reason I got into golf was because I like winning, um, which is kind of weird because you don't win a lot in golf. True. Like if you win ten percent of the time, you're a dang good golfer. Yep. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean you're 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 awesome. Um, and so, yeah. When whenever I got into golf, it was like I wasn't good at anything else, but I'm a real competitive guy. And so, I was like, I'm pretty good at this golf thing. Let me, you know, let me just keep pursuing it. So, um, yeah, I, I like winning and I love match play because you, you get to win more. And so. It just kind of, you know, because it's like more like basketball or something. It's, you know, you, you're either going to win or lose that day. You know, it's not like you're going to get second or 10th or 15th, you know, it's, sure. it's win or lose. And so I really enjoy that. And then, like, to be on the Walker Cup team, obviously, like, an honor. Um, even though I didn't really realize, I knew what it was kind of, but, like, I didn't really know what it was until, like, at the USAM, they're like, what would it mean to you? I'm like, I don't, I mean, I've heard of it, but I don't really know what they do there. You sure. know, I don't know. I don't know where it is, who we're playing against, but put me on the team. That sounds fun. <laughs> um, but since then, I've realized just what, what kind of what it is. And, uh, you know, I, I want to be on an elite team with, with elite players. And I want to go just win. I mean, like, how fun would it be? to go do that i i just i don't know i just well and, uh, and, i only imagine yeah, what it'd be like yeah and and you know i know that your short game is just such a strength and hitting it straight is is kind of a hallmark of of your game and having a walker cup at seminole a donald ross course and i mean that you just got to be licking your chops with a place like that i mean it's kind of like everything's perfect for me because to be honest, I don't want to go on a plane flight over to England or Europe. Uh, I like I like the United States well enough, and so I mean, if I could play at a Donald Ross course on a on a Walker Cup team, like after everything that's happened with the coronavirus and stuff, like I mean that that would just be honestly just such a blessing. Um, just to I mean, just to even be considered and us having a conversation about me potentially playing is is an honor. But I mean, match play in a team format for my country, like it's just kind of, I mean, that, that would just be awesome. And I mean, getting to, you know, like play with somebody else and bring, you know, just. <laughs> they, um, well, I got some good news for you. Last year's Walker cup team, you know, the, the, the clothing is by uh, Ralph Lauren and they did have a little bit of a blue and black camo look on the pants. So okay. I don't know if I, that, I don't know if that, uh, that, does that pique your interest a little bit more? I mean, is that, I mean, Oh yeah. I think we need some army camo, but that's just me. <laughs> I need to send you, you know, need to send you that are some, that are some bottom wood mossy oak. Okay, you know, now we're getting all right. Now, now, that'll, now, that'll look good too. now we're dreaming. Now, I mean, I don't, I, 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 I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, we're, yeah, they could go with the army, but I don't, I don't think they're going to go with the bottom wood. Probably they're not. not gonna, they're not going to go with the East Texas, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Yeah, look. I don't, I don't think Cabela's or Bass Pro Shops is doing the clothes this year. I, I'll check on that, but I don't think they're, yes, sir. Yeah, I don't yes, think they're sir. doing that. 
All right, so we're gonna let's so let's kind of wrap this up. We got to get you out on the road, to Arkansas, to do hunting. But I know that the PGA Tour is something that is is on your radar. You're turning professional yes, at some point after your career is done. At, at uh, your after your amateur career is done, but um, I love the fact that you stayed close to home. You went to Sam Houston State, and I know that playing in college and being around your teammates is something that you're gonna miss once you hit the professional ranks. So to end this episode, give me a good college golf story we talk a lot about college golf here give me a good college golf story so um one thing is my teammates they they don't like me because <laughs> wait a it minute. just seems wait like every time we play and we come down to the last couple of holes it's just something about me that just i just it's like fourth quarter i mean i just win somehow it's just like, oh, like we were playing the other day and I was playing one of them and I chip in for Eagle on the last and I haven't done anything all day. I mean, I'm even par with, you know, 17 pars and I chip in on the last for Eagle. I just, it's just something about with these guys that they, they, they literally, they expect it. I mean, they're, it's like, it's kind of sad. Like they expect it. And the funny thing is about everybody in golf, they, everybody thinks everybody doesn't miss, but everybody misses. Sure. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Uh-huh, like, yeah. like when I look at certain guys, I'm like, man, they're so good. How am I ever going to beat them? Like they probably, they're thinking the same thing about me, you know, Great point. like they're like, how, how does this guy not miss, you know? And so that's kind of the thing with my teammates, but going into that, we we're playing this course. It's called Walden on Lake Conroe. Brutal course. Got to hit it straight. They got three par fives in a row and the 11th is Arguably the hardest. There's two stupid par fives in Montgomery County. Eleven at Walden and ten at Bentwater. Okay. But eleven at Walden's for sure the hardest hole. I think John Daly hit it in two, which is impressive. Back whenever they had Persimmon Woods. So we're playing out there, and we like when we compete, we'll play each other for push-ups. Like, well, you have to do push-ups. Like if you lose. Sure. And so we'll take odds on stuff. And so we're playing number 11 and Luis Carrera, one of, uh, one of our players on the team, he's a real good player and a real feisty. He's like me. He wants to go beat somebody competitive. Um, and he, he told me, he's like thousand to one odds. I'll make Eagle for a thousand pushups. Or oh, I got to no. do one pushup. I said, no, I said, we'll do 800 though. So we're on the tee box, and you shouldn't hit driver on this hole anyways, you know. And so – I and we were had a – we were playing five push-ups for every shot we lose by. Okay. okay. Who's playing versus me. And so we're on 11, and uh, I'm already like two up, I think. But I was like, if he goes and makes like a 10 on this hole, like think about how many push-ups that's he's going to have to do. That's, that's like yeah. I could get like 25 or 30 push-ups on him and we kind of keep a tally and we'll settle up at the end of the week. We'll do a hundred push-ups or whatever we got to do. Sure. And so, um, that's why my chest looks so big. I was just going to so, say that you really are barrel chest and I started figuring out like, yeah, that's, that's kind of why I, we're, yeah. we're playing for push-ups and sit-ups at Sam Houston, you know? And so we're playing this hole and he hits a perfect drop and I, he gets lucky and I'm like, okay, you know, he got the first shot in, but sure. you know, and he, 
he hits it about like me. He hits three wood about 255, 260, max out. Well, he's got like 250 to the pin. Wind is off the left. And if you can picture this hole, it's like an S. It's a par five, but it's a three-shot hole. Sure, double dog. And right. there's water all short right of the green, and you have to hit a good layup to not be in the water. And so he's got like 250, and he and there's a pine tree in the way. So he's got to hit a draw back into the wind. The wind's blowing pretty good, steady 15 off the left. And I'm like, I've got him here. like, Because it's hard to hit a draw back into the wind you know, that big of a draw where it's going to hold and it's a back right pin water's all short, right. And so I'm like, I'm going to get him here. There's no way he's going to hit this good. And he absolutely flushes it to like 10 feet. I'm like, whoops, are you kidding me? Like, but then I'm like, still, I'm only going to lose like five pushups. Cause he's going to make birdie here. You know, I'm like, he ain't going to make this, butt. and so I hit my layup down there and I hit my shot on the ground. I had a good shot on the green. And he gets over the putt and he looks at me and he says, you're more nervous than I am. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you're right. I am. And he absolutely buries it and just fist pump and everything. So I was like, just so distraught. I end up missing my birdie putt. And then he says, I'd never make you do 800 pushups. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but, but he said, the look on your face. Is worth it that's all. worth it all yeah just the yeah. look just so, the, just the sweat coming off for doing 800 pushes that's the best yeah yeah and i was like i was like can i get a payment plan can i do like 100 <laughs> a week for two months or something you should have asked you to know? buy out of it like what what yeah. can i do to yeah get out well of it? i was gonna be like dude we'll go double or nothing on the way in oh my gosh <laughs> but, which i mean my my chest is already sore for just thinking about doing them but that's uh, awesome but yeah he he clutched up and he pulled the wheel on will so and so that was that was funny. And speaking of a will on will, my buddy was saying because uh, I told him how I got beat by Preston, and he said, "How does it feel?" He's like, "What happened?" I was like, "Well, I mean, he just good short game, made up and down for everywhere, didn't make any mental mistakes." He said, "It's like playing yourself, huh?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "It's not so fun when you're making up and when people are making up and down all the trash on you, is it?" I said, "No, <laughs> you're right. It's not." That's awesome. So that's awesome. But, Yes, sir. Um, well, uh, it was a pleasure spending time with you at Merido and um, really, you know, great following you and, and seeing just how your approach to the game, your approach to, you know, your approach to life and your faith in the game. I, it's, it's refreshing. Uh, I love the stories. Um, I know you have some more amateur things to take care of. And then there's obviously a professional career waiting for you at some point. So let's keep in touch. Let's do this again. And uh, I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Yes, sir. And there you have it. Special thanks to William Holcomb V for joining me on this episode of the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Everything you need to know about this podcast, every previous episode can be found at thebackoftherange.com. Thanks so much for the support. We'll see you again next time here at the Back of the Range.